You are listening to Trouble with the Truth, a podcast about journalists in danger and the stories that get them in trouble. I'm your host, Lana Estimirova. On 26th of August, Daphne Caruana Galicia would have turned 56. A fearless journalist who exposed dark depth of Maltese corruption was killed by a bomb in her own car. Daphne's death has left a lasting impact in Malta, resulting in mass protests, several arrests and high-profile resignations, including that of the Prime Minister Joseph Muscat. But the case is far from being closed. Every step of the investigation has been obstructed by interventions from power holders, who are frequently the subjects of Daphne's investigations. In this episode, I wanted to explore the current state of independent media in Malta. I spoke with award-winning journalist Caroline Muscat, the founder of Shift News, the only independent outlet in Malta that doesn't take the money from advertising or the government. Funded through public donations, Shift News carries on Daphne's legacy by exposing corruption, backroom deals and holding government to the account. Caroline told me about what it was like setting up a fully independent media and what makes them different from other outlets. Of course, we touched upon the subject of the public inquiry into Daphne's murder. We also spoke about the role that independent journalism plays in shaping civil society and what she and her colleagues do to protect themselves. Um, Malta has a a, a very particular uh, media uh, landscape, uh, considering it's an EU member state. The vast majority of the media in Malta is owned directly by political parties. So they have their TV stations, their newspapers, dailies and Sundays, online news and, and radio stations. This controls the vast majority of the market. And then you have only a handful of newspapers um, who pub- which publish in English, so it, they don't even manage to reach uh, all of the population. In this context, and particularly over the last five years, it has become far more intense. The problems, uh, the challenges that are faced by every, every newsroom around the world at the moment uh, because of lack of funding, um, advertising, this kind of thing, are far more pronounced in a small market like Malta. So even the handful of newspapers that are independent newspapers are now at this point entirely reliant on government funding. This obviously has huge repercussions in terms of, you know, the, the, the narratives, the, the access to, to information um, in, in, in the public domain. The Shift News was launched three weeks after the assassination of journalist Daphne Caruana Galizia, which uh, an, an assassination, a brutal assassination that shocked the country. And it was launched because we felt that we had to give a response to the perpetrators, that you can't kill one of us. So it, it wasn't a platform that was developed, you know, with a, with a business model, you know, years of planning and this kind of thing, we literally just jumped into it. And we have been surviving month to month uh, since then. And the reason why we chose a different model is that because from the very start, we suspected that this was not a murder, but it was an assassination. 
And therefore, we wanted to be completely independent from any kind of political influence or interference so that we could we could do our job. So this is literally a people's portal. And I wanted to ask you more about Daphne, because when I was reading about her life and about her horrendous murder, I couldn't help but see parallels with the stories of Anna Politkovskaya, the brave journalist who was also a close family friend who was killed in Russia, and then the murder of my own mother, who was killed in 2009. It's not just a murder. It's not just a tragedy for a family. It's something akin to an earthquake or a hurricane that has a lasting impact on everyone in the epicenter. And I just wanted to ask you, how are you and your colleagues coping three years later, and what impact has it had on your own work? Um, I have, I used to, I used to be the news editor of, of the largest independent newspaper in the country at, uh, before this. And, uh, when I used to meet Daphne Caruana Galizia and she used to talk about the harassment that, and the abuse that she faced, uh, it was, it was something that was quite hard to believe. She used to speak about the misogyny in the country and these kind of things. She was very, very bold in her reporting, and she was always on the front line. But one of the arguments we used to have, and I used to say, come on, Daphne, I'm a woman, and, and I'm, 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 I'm heading the largest newspaper in the country. It doesn't seem to be as bad as you say. However, after her death, when, when um, I, I set up the shift news, I realized, uh, I noticed the difference, and I started to understand Uh, the harassment that she faced because it is, it, is, it is so much easier to isolate a journalist that is not part of an institution. And Daphne had faced a, a, a hate campaign for the last 30 years that was um, built by the party and built and sustained by the party in government. After her assassination, Um, and she was assassinated very clearly because of the corruption that she was revealing. Um, we, we, spent, we did a six-month investigation in which we analyzed the, this hate campaign. We got, when we discovered um, a number of, of secret online groups in which you had to show party membership to join. And there you had ministers, you had the prime minister, you had the president of the country, potential candidates, And she was a constant, constant tar target. Once these narratives were built there, they were spread by paid trolls um, to, continue, to continue the hate campaign. This continued even after she was killed. We, we discovered that in these groups, they even celebrated. They celebrated her death. So once, yes, so once you get, once you get this picture, um, then, then uh, it becomes clear And it has become even clearer um, over the last two and a half years in which we have been campaigning um, for a proper investigation, for the launch of a public inquiry into her assassination, for even police investigations um, into what she revealed and what we continue to reveal uh, about the stories that she started. And, and what we've seen even in the trials that have commenced is political interference from the highest from the highest levels of government police chiefs who did not follow through uh, on investigations clear clear i mean police chiefs who even were 
passing on information to the main to the main um, murder suspects on on what on what was going on. So the situation at the moment, while you know, it seems that the trials are ongoing and maybe we, we we may be on the way to some result. I mean, that is that is uh, far far uh, from something that that we're convinced about. Uh, it is the more we reveal, um, the the clearer it becomes that there is a clear interest in the truth uh, not emerging uh, in this country, which obviously creates a huge problem for investigative journalists who are trying to work here. And what's happening with the public inquiry now? Is it stopped because of the pandemic or is it ongoing? There was a, there was a break for a, for a few weeks while the country was in lockdown in, in March and April. Things are proceeding now. Uh, it is through the public inquiry that we are really understanding um, different connections in terms of the network between um, politics and, and police and institutions in the country that continued to cover up this, this horrible crime. What the public inquiry will reveal does not necessarily mean that, that uh, any real change can happen. Because, because it can only um, create these links, you know, connect the dots. But then ultimately, we still, we still depend on the people who are uh, governing the country to, to create any change uh, from, any, from any outcome. And the problem that we've had, uh, Malta closed 2019 with two months of daily protests on the streets, calling for the resignation of the Prime Minister, his Chief of Staff, and key ministers. Uh, these people did eventually resign, but um, the, the people who are put in their place, it's still, it's still people who are, the ministers are still people who were in the former cabinet, and, 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 the, and the Prime Minister we have now is somebody who is appointed by the former Prime Minister. Um, and, and, and he's a and, son of an ex-president, isn't he, Robert Abella? Yes, there were two contenders. There was there was the the other opponent. The other contender was 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 a clear favorite. Uh, then and then uh, it was very obvious that the former prime minister um, put his weight behind the current prime minister, and 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 he he was elected. So, Prime Minister Robert Abella uh, has not has not created uh, any real change in the country in terms of. The, the, the realities and the challenges that journalists face in the country. It is, it, there has been more money thrown at the problem, but all that does is silence more and more journalists. There, are, there is only a handful of, of journalists in the country who are doing proper investigative journalism, in which case it becomes very easy to target them, discredit them, isolate them. Uh, Reporters with Our Borders was testifying before the public inquiry only last week and and uh, it was made very clear that the hopes that they had with a with a change prime minister have have led have led to absolutely no 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 change yeah actually reporters without borders ranked malta 81st in the world press freedom index and it kind of fell four places since 2019 um so I wanted to ask, what's it like operating in this environment that's increasingly hostile to independent journalists? And 
what kind of challenges are you facing at the moment that make it difficult to do your job? The only way we can function in this country is is to collaborate with international newsrooms, which we do on a regular basis. We continue the investigations that Daphne Caruana Galizia started, and we take them further. But in terms of being able to report on a, on a day-to-day basis in Malta, that is close to impossible for us. We are not even given um, access to uh, government events, government functions, so we are not able to ask questions. Uh, it is our, our the denial of access is totally in breach of the law um, because they are requiring us to, to register our website with the government, which is against the law, and we refuse to do it. And it is the reason uh, that they use to continue denying us access. Even government press cards, etc., are still government approved in this country. It is, again, a system that we refuse to, to, to buy into. So in order to maintain, to maintain our independence, we continue to set the agenda in terms of the investigative stories that we take up that then become difficult for the government to ignore. Could you tell me some more about the kind of investigations that you're covering at the moment with Shift News? Um, two of the major investigations uh, that we've been running, uh, one of them concerns the, the, the privatization of, of our public hospitals, in which we have not only um, identified, first of all, revealed revealed the hidden, the hidden um, f- funders, investors, behind the deal, which had been kept secret from the Maltese public. We exposed the corruption and the offshore companies behind these deals. And um, when when we had first revealed these findings, and there was a request by a civil society organization for a, for a magisterial inquiry um, into, into, into our findings, because the police have not been moving on anything that we reveal, and please keep in mind that every time we reveal an investigation, Every time we expose a criminal, then and the police do not act on it. That every single time that makes us more and more vulnerable. Um, so, civil society organization requested this magisterial inquiry into three of the ministers involved in signing the deal. Um, the, the the minister's reply to to the court included an entire page in which they attacked me personally. Um, trying attempting to discredit me and saying this is this is all political. This is part of an agenda. Uh, it's all based on lies and fiction. Um, a typical narrative that is used in, anywhere in the world to discredit to discredit investigative journalists. But two years later, and in fact only a few weeks ago, um, the national audit officer, uh, the auditor general, uh, released released his first report. On, on on that investigation and proved that what we had revealed was correct. It was a predetermined deal intended to benefit a few people to the detriment of the Maltese public. Again, there is, uh, even with a report of the Auditor General, no action has been taken by the police or by the authorities to, to, reverse, to reverse this deal or, or to, to, to even question and interrogate um, those involved in signing it. So that's that's one example. Another another investigation that we have been working on uh, involves the uh, electric gas deal 
which, um, I mean, the suspected mastermind of Daphne, of Daphne Caruana Galizia's assassination, Jürgen Fennec, uh, is linked to this electrogas deal. And we found that the deal was replicated in, in Montenegro uh, in a very similar way. And again, we have the same companies linked to the mastermind um, behind her assassination. Um, and at the moment, this is quite recent revelations we've been making over the last couple of months. So at the moment, there is the opposition in Montenegro that is trying to demand answers um, from the government there. And we obviously see that the, 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 this is about transborder crime at this point in time, because you have always the same countries operating, which is essentially Malta, China and, and Azerbaijan. Um, we cannot underestimate Azerbaijan's influence in all this corruption here. There is no doubt about the, of the close links between the Azerbaijani government and the, the previous top officials in the Maltese government. Um, they still, they still um, hold the, the reins, they still control the reins of power in this country. And um, one of the biggest uh, concerns that we have is that, you know, while we have the three people who planted the bomb on, um, uh, facing trial, and while we have the suspected mastermind facing trial, there are still no convictions. And uh, our concern is that uh, the people who are still pulling strings are not in the dock. Caroline, these scandalous stories that you're telling me, they definitely seem to be contrasting with this paradise-like images of Malta, but it seems like ordinary Maltese people are definitely not oblivious to the levels of corruption that are happening in the country. I just saw this interesting statistic is that 89% of the Maltese believe that there is a widespread corruption in Malta and 54 respondents said that they were personally affected by corruption. And as you mentioned before, there were um, mass demonstrations followed uh, Daphne's murder. And in, in two years ago, there were demonstrations calling for resignation of uh, Joseph Muscat, the then prime minister. And it seems like there is a strong civil society in Malta and a lot of people are aware of what's going on. And because of shift news and other independent media, I mean, you're doing a great job at educating people. Do you think there's been a shift in people's consciousness over the last three years? And do you think it can somehow translate into politics that it can break this kind of binary politics between the, the two parties and kind of maybe more independent candidates can come through and actually make the change happen? Or am I being too naive? Um, no, I think, I think the achievements of, of, of civil society um, following uh, Daphne's, Daphne's death is really, really quite remarkable, especially in a country like Malta. And uh, the reason for that is um, that Malta has quite has a pretty undemocratic electoral system. It is dominated by two political parties in which power shifts from one to the other. Mm-hmm. So whenever there has been a, a, a kind of uh, public protests in Malta, they have always been led by one party or the, or the other. So one of the leaders of these two parties 
says to the people, we're taking to the streets and, and, and the people follow. Uh, in this sense, um, the, the government had an unprecedented uh, majority uh, in, 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 in the last couple of elections. Um, and, and that has literally devastated the opposition. So with the absence of an opposition, uh, it, was, it was very difficult to, to actually get uh, tens of thousands of people to be, to be protesting on the streets because they are not used to, be, to follow a civil society organization, least of all a civil society organization that was set up you know, within, the last, within the last two years. So in that sense, that achievement uh, is remarkable. In terms of, of real and effective change, uh, Malta needs to be seriously looking at democratic reforms. The, the work um, of investigative journalists and civil society, as well as the family of uh, Daphne Caruana Galizia, which has sustained I mean, an incredible campaign uh, throughout since 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 she was killed, I mean the family has not even been able to grieve. They have been fighting for day from day one, and they have not stopped. And the result of this combination, which is not it's not even a united movement. Everybody kind of does their bit, uh, and and but this has resulted eventually in in grabbing the attention of of major European institutions like uh, the Council of Europe including the Venice Commission, European Parliament, the European Commission, that has sustained the, the, the demand for democratic reforms in the country. However, what we saw only last week is that um, you know, the Prime Minister was saying, yes, we are, we are meeting the Venice Commission, Venice Commission recommendations on constitutional reforms, because one of the main problems in this country is that there is far too much power in the hands of the Prime Minister. I mean, it's democracy on paper, but in practice, it's a dictatorship in that sense. Um, so, so um, and then, you know, when it was rushed through Parliament because we have a monetary assessment expected, um, expected soon. So these reforms were rushed through Parliament, um, saying that the Venice Commission approved them, etc. We called up, we contacted the Venice Commission and said, is it true that you have approved these reforms? And they said uh, no, because our next meeting on Malta is in October. So we, we, we're still seeing the same old way of doing things, despite demands uh, by civil society. The bills that were rushed through Parliament were not even presented to, let alone discussed with civil society. So uh, there's a lot of like box ticking, but really and truly, uh, uh, when it comes to change on the ground, there's very, very little. Caroline, I think you and your colleagues are doing an incredible job in holding the government into account. And the world seems like a very dangerous place for independent journalists. And kind of as a final question, I wanted to ask you, how do you and your colleagues keep yourself safe? How do you protect yourself? We've, we've had very significant support um, from, from international organizations, including the Justice for Journalists Foundation, that, that um, have helped us network with international organizations, helped us get training on, on security, 
at the end of the day, um, beyond that, honestly, it's largely about, you know, taking the precautions that you can and waking up determined more than ever before that, that, that this is what needs to be done. It is down at, out of personal conviction. Every, every journalist who works for the shift is, is, is great in that sense. It is about dedication. It is not about, you know, getting the front page or, you know, getting, getting a better salary, this kind of thing. Uh, it, is, it is a total and absolute commitment to the job we need to do. That's about it. If you want to find out more about the latest developments in Daphne's case, please visit theshiftnews.com. You can also get updates on our Justice for Journalists website. As I mentioned before, Shift News are funded through public contributions, so if you enjoyed this story, please consider a subscription or a small donation. In the midst of a global pandemic, independent journalism is more important than ever.